Good morning again. Last week, Jono talked about Nehemiah unleashing God's new thing. The vision went viral and everyone got on board. They're pumped to get in on the vision. And now this morning, I'd like to share with you chapter three, where we look at Nehemiah moving from a vision, making it into a reality. Last week was about unleashing, and this week, we're looking at creating synergy. Before we continue, uh, let's pray and ask God to speak to us this morning. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, uh, from the example of Nehemiah we can learn from. And God, I pray that this morning, your spirit will be speaking to each and every one of us. I pray, Lord, that you will move us from your word um, to action in our hands. I pray, Lord, that as we study um, your word, specifically Nehemiah chapter 3, I pray that we will get a lot of insight from it. And I pray, Lord, that um, this morning we can continue to know you deeper. And I pray also, Lord, that we would also know each other um, deeply as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm just wondering, have you ever been part of a team? I'm sure all of us has, in some uh, form or another, we've been a part of a team. And I think when I I think about team, there's a real unspoken or unseen force that moves everyone together. I think you would agree that good teams are fun when people are working well together. And you saw in our video, last week we went away on uh, on our log party and I saw an example of synergy when all the leaders uh, made lunch and dinner together. That was a lot of fun. And Nehemiah chapter 3 talks about a team repairing the wall. The way Nehemiah describes it is that he starts from sheep gates. If you notice in, uh, if you have your Bibles with you actually, open up to Nehemiah chapter 3 and you'll see um, what I'm talking about here. So in chapter 3, Nehemiah starts from talking about Sheep Gate and then he goes around the wall listing out all the different people involved in each section. So for example, in verse 1, it says, Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the Sheep Gate. Then verses 3 and 4 says, The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakogs, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, the son of Mezezebel, made repairs. And next to him, Sadok, son of Bana, also made repairs. And he goes on and on and on. And by the end of the chapter, Nehemiah returns back to Sheep Gate, which means he takes us right around the Jerusalem wall, completing a picture of how his team worked on the wall. Now, with all the list of names, it doesn't seem very exciting at all. But when we take a step back and look at the way Nehemiah coordinated his team and seeing his team get into the work, we start to feel a sense of excitement that was happening, the momentum that it was building and the synergy that came from such beautiful teamwork. I don't think what Nehemiah did was a fluke. Nehemiah shows us that he was a wise leader. He, he carefully planned what he wanted to do. He had depended on God and he's a man with good timing as well. In chapter 3, what stands out most about Nehemiah's character and leadership quality is his ability to delegate well. 
a good leader delegates because he or she knows that you can definitely get more done when you delegate. Nehemiah is a great example of a good delegated. He divided the wall into sections and then he assigned people in each section to work on the wall. Nehemiah delegated because he knew how big the task in front of him was. There were physical challenges because obviously there's a wall to complete. And we know that the wall was about four kilometers long, but it's not just about the length of the wall. Nehemiah also had to take into account the height and the thickness of the wall. So there's the physical challenges, but also Nehemiah knew there were spiritual challenges as well. He knew that he'll be met with opposition. About 10 years ago, the Samaritans tried to stop them from rebuilding the temple and they succeeded. So Nehemiah knows that he'll be met with opposition again. There'll be people who wouldn't want to see him or see the war, actually. They wouldn't want to see the war completed. With these physical and spiritual obstacles, Nehemiah had to think strategically. So by forming a team, Nehemiah could get help tackling the physical obstacles whilst he could, he could then focus on the spiritual problems that come later. He couldn't do this on his own and he couldn't do it with just a few people. He strategically divided the wall into 40 to 41 sections and he delegated people to work on the wall. By dividing this one big task into many different parts, he got the job done more effectively and efficiently. Nehemiah delegated so that they could complete the war in just 52 days. Delegation is a good skill to master, and I believe there are three key principles to it. Firstly, you got to delegate authority to people in the right roles. Secondly, to trust others to finish the task. And thirdly, you got to have patience in supporting the team. So let's look at the first one. If you want to delegate well, you'll need to delegate authority to people in the right roles to do the job. Now, this chapter doesn't make a specific point about Nehemiah delegating, but it's obvious that he did delegate. He would have told his team what was happening. He would have explained how it's going to get done. And then Nehemiah would have given authority to the team to start the work and to complete it. He would have said, hey, oh, I'm just imagining. He'll be like, hey, guys, we're repairing the Jerusalem wall. I'm going to divide you guys into smaller groups to work on a section. And I know that you will do your best to get the work done. If there's any problems, just come and give me a call. Nehemiah gave them the brief and he let them do their thing. When we look at this passage, you'll notice that Nehemiah repeated a few actions that his team did. In the chapter, there are a few verbs like the people repaired and rebuilt. They put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. The language is generic, but the repetition of these actions paints us a picture of a really awesome working bee. These people were focused on the task and they worked hard for this common goal. Nehemiah delegates well. He doesn't micromanage them or request a report every few hours. He knew these people had the right skill set. He assigned these people a section and let them have authority over their work. 
They had autonomy and Nehemiah trusted that they would do their very best. If Nehemiah was pedantic about every brick that was laid or how the screws were meant to be put in or how many screws to use, if he went around measuring the exact height and thickness of each part of the wall, you know that productivity and team morale would drop so quickly. Trying to do everything yourself is the opposite of what it means to be a delegator. And when we think about other examples from the Bible, Moses' experience comes to mind. In Exodus chapter, uh, chapter 18, it talks about how Moses was having a hard time being a mediator. And this was after he rescued them out of Egypt. People were lining up all day and night waiting for Moses to judge these people uh, with their disputes and conflicts that they had. And you can imagine Moses becoming really stressed out um, about all the people he had to manage and deal with. And then his father-in-law, Jethro, noticed that that was what's happening with Moses. All he's doing day and night is to sort out people's dramas. And so Jethro goes up to Moses and tells him, what you're doing is not good. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Teach them God's decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. Jephro was reminding Moses that his main job was to teach the people God's word. And so if you want to do that, you have to make changes so you can focus on this important task rather than spending all your time and energy dealing with people's conflicts. Moses then listened to his father-in-law's advice and then his work became more manageable. He was freed up to focus on teaching God's word and he only handled the more difficult cases in the community. Moses was only able to do that when he learned to give authority to capable leaders to take on some of his work. I'm wondering if you are a leader in some capacity. Maybe you're a leader at home or a leader at school. Maybe you're a leader in a church ministry or maybe a parent group outside. Maybe you're some kind of manager at your job. There's lots of opportunities for us to exercise leadership and your team would benefit when you delegate authority to them. Are you the type of leader who likes to give responsibility away to others to empower them? Or are you more like a ball hog who doesn't like sharing or passing the ball to other people? You know, there's a real sense of freedom when we're able to give generously to share our responsibility with others because we know that God has all the authority and he's given us this authority to share with other people. And so to be a part of that, sharing that authority that God has given us is such a freeing thing to do. Delegating is liberating and it frees up more time for us to focus on our gifts to serve God. Delegating authority by letting others do their job is an important task for us to learn. Secondly, delegation requires trusting in the team to finish the task. 
God is actually the master of all delegators because he loves delegating. The Apostle Paul uses a beautiful image of the human body to explain what the church is meant to look like. And Meredith has already um, read that part for us. In verses 12 and 14, Paul says, Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its, part, all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. The church is made up of a body of diverse people. And because we are a body, we can be unified. Unity in diversity. It's a mark of the Christian church. And it's also why Northern Life values a canvas of color. We are a multi-generational and a multicultural church, all serving Jesus together. You and I, we play a part here. Your part may be different from my part, but our parts matter because everything that every person does contributes to the healthy functioning of the body. So can I encourage you to get amongst it? It's no fun just watching from the sidelines. God wants us to be a part of his plan. And so let's help out and be actively participating in our church here. There's always going to be a role for you to play here. Are we a healthy, vibrant and energetic body that worships and serves the Lord? Or is our church run down and frail, sickly and weak? I want to be a part of a healthy, vibrant church. And I hope you also um, jump on board with Jono and myself and the deacons and the diaconate. As part of the body of Christ, we're given two key visions to participate in. A global vision and also a local vision. Globally, God calls us on a mission to make disciples of all nations, to preach the good news about Jesus and to be a blessing to others. And locally, we're gathered in church to worship God wholeheartedly, to be a coaching community, to look after the vulnerable and disadvantaged. Unfortunately, churches don't always do right by God. We wear this badge of Christianity, but our actions don't reflect what God wants us to do. There's been so many times when we've used Jesus' name to hurt others. And I think about some of the tra- like sad history we have as Christians, such as like the Crusades or how churches treat homosexuals and sexual abuse in the church. Christians and churches have failed God in the past, but God still trusts us to complete the work that he's given us to do. And that's why I said God is the master of delegation because he empowers us with his spirit to spread the gospel, to heal the sick and to lead others to worship. And even when we fail, God still patiently shows us how to do it properly and he trusts in the body to finish the task. We need to do God proud. If we call ourselves Christians, we represent God and we need to represent him faithfully. So let's not be the church that puts God's name to shame. 
Let's be the church that worships and do things that make the name of God great. Nehemiah trusted the team to complete the task and they delivered. They had some complications later, but it's only when there were problems that Nehemiah decided to step in. He delegated authority to people in the right roles and he trusted that they would get the job done. And eventually they did. Nehemiah led a really successful campaign to rebuild the Jerusalem wall. And thirdly, Nehemiah was patient in supporting his team. Nehemiah found all kinds of people to work on the wall. If you scan through the chapter, you'll find lots of different roles like priests. There were goldsmiths, perfume makers, merchants, city officials, city guards, women, bachelors, and also temple servants. These people weren't professional builders or carpenters. Maybe the goldsmiths had more experience and knowledge, but like perfume makers, their main tool isn't a hammer. But Nehemiah definitely saw skills in these capable people. So he asked them to help and they learned together as they worked on the wall. Over time, these people would quickly pick up the skills to work on different parts of the wall. I wonder if you've ever met a person like Nehemiah before. Someone who saw potential in you and gave you an opportunity to serve, even when you may not be fully equipped in the role. He or she got alongside you and encouraged you to do the task. Nehemiah is hands-on, but he sees potential in others. He delegates authority and he walks alongside others to finish the task together. Nehemiah sees the value of raising up more leaders and workers to participate in the kingdom of God. The kingdom work is always a teamwork. Nehemiah also understands the people on his team. The passage mentions that Nehemiah puts some people to work on sections that are close to their homes. So, for example, in verse 10, it says, Jediah, son of Haramuth, made repairs opposite his house. Verses 23 to 24 says, Benjamin and Hashab made repairs in front of their house. And next to them, Azariah, son of Maseah, the son of Ananiah, made repairs beside his house. What we see is Nehemiah picks up on little details and he assigns workers where they could maximize time and convenience. Nehemiah knew where his workers lived, which is not stalkerish, but it's a, it's a testament that he considers everything about their skills and their circumstances in life. He knows them well, so he could use them well. A skilled delegator knows people and a skilled delegator understands them and he would give them time and space for the individual to grow and flourish in their skills and potentials. And all of this requires a good eye, metaphorically, patience and also trust. You know, I'm so proud to be part of this church because we value being a coaching community. And we'd love to encourage you 
to serve in places where you can grow and flourish in your gifts and abilities. Coaching is about journeying with you in your faith and encouraging you to participate in the work of God's kingdom. So I really want to encourage you, if you are looking for someone to help you grow, or if you're just like thinking about it, can I really encourage you to come and speak to myself or Jono? Could be after the service, could be any time. If you have some sense feeling that I want to grow, I want to be a part of this community, I want to be a part of God's kingdom, come and speak to us. This is what Jono and I really want to see in our church. Finally, this is not so much about delegating, but Nehemiah always sets a strong Christian example for us. He recognized the hard work of his team. He took the time to name each worker, every worker except himself. And knowing Nehemiah's MO, he would have definitely given glory to God as well. You know, a leader can only do so much with vision casting, wise planning, and good delegation. But great synergy and momentum in the team that can complete the wall in only 52 days requires the grace and favor of God to achieve. And that's why Nehemiah gave glory to God. Nehemiah chapter 3 teaches us three important principles of delegation. Delegate authority to people in the right roles. Trusting others to finish the task. Patience in supporting the team. A humble leader would take the time to acknowledge the team and give glory to God as well. Today, God has delegated authority to us to build and expand his kingdom. Let's do this together as the body of Christ. Let's serve God faithfully and with passion, finishing the task he's given us and allow God to grow us into great workers for him. Now, no part of the Bible should be ignored. And Nehemiah makes the effort to name everyone on his team to recognize their faithfulness and loyalty to serve the Lord. I think we need to do this passage justice by having it being read out aloud as we appreciate the work that God has done through Nehemiah and his team. And I've asked today um, Rachel Ford to um, come up and read this passage out for us. So please make yourselves comfortable. It's quite long. (laughs) So Nehemiah 3. (coughs) Then Eliashib, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the Sheep Gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and the Tower of Hananel. People from from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zakur, son of Imri. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hassanah. They laid the beams, set up its doors, and installed, it, installed its bolts and bars. Merimot, son of Uriah, grandson of Hakoz, repaired the next section of the wall. Beside him were Meshulam, son of Berakir, and grandson of Meshezabel, and then Zadok, son of Bana. Next were the people from Tekoa, though their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. 
The old city gate was repaired by Joiada, son of Pasir, and Meshulam, son of Besodia. They laid the beams, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Next to them were Melatea from Gibeon, Jaden from Merinot, <laughs> then I can't read it, it's too far away. <laughs> people, f uh, hang on. people from Gibeon and people from Mizpah, the headquarters of the governor of the province west of the Euphrates River. Next was Uziel, of governor of the province, sorry. Next was Uziel, son of Harhiah, a goldsmith by trade, who also worked on the wall. Beyond him was Hananiah a manufacturer of perfumes. They left out a section of, the, of Jerusalem as they built the broad wall. Rephiah, son of Hur, the leader of half the district of Jerusalem, was next to them on the wall. Next, Jediah, son of Haramath, repaired the wall across from his own house. And next to him was Hattush, son of, son of Hashab, Hashabniah, who repaired Sorry. Then came Malkijah, son of Harim, and Hashub, son of Pehath Moab, who repaired another section of the wall and the tower of the ovens. Shalom, son of Halohesh, and his daughters repaired the next section. He was the leader of the other half of the district of Jerusalem. The valley gate was repaired by the people of Zanoah, led by Hanun. They set up its doors and installed its bolts and bars. They also repaired the 1,500 feet of wall to the Dung Gate. The Dung Gate was repaired by Malkijah, son of Rechab, the leader of Betakarim district. He rebuilt it, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. The Fountain Gate was repaired by Shalom, son of Kol Jose, the leader of the Mizpah district. He rebuilt it, roofed it, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Then he repaired the wall of the pool of Siloam near the king's garden, and he rebuilt the wall as far as the stairs that descend from the city of David. Next to him was Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, the leader of half the district of Betzur. He rebuilt the wall from a place across from the tombs of David's family as far as the water reservoir and the house of the warriors. Next to him, repairs were made by a group of Levites working under the supervision of Rehum, son of Bani. Then came Hasabiah, the leader of the half-district of Keilah, who supervised the building of the wall on behalf of his own district. Next, next down the line were his countrymen, led by Binui, son of Henadad, the leader of the half, other half-district of, of Keilah. Next to them, Ezer, son of Jeshua, the leader of Mizpah, repaired another section of the wall from the secret, sorry, from the ancient ascent to the armory near the angle in the wall. Next to him was Baruch, son of Zabai, who zealously repaired an additional section from the angle of the wall to the house of Eliashib, the high priest. Merimot, son of Uriah, and grandson of Hakoz, rebuilt another section of the wall, extending from the door of Eliashib's house to the end of the house. The next repairs were made by the priests from the surrounding region. After them, Benjamin and Hashub repaired the section across from their house, and Azariah, 
of Maaseah and grandson of Ananiah repaired the section of the house across from his house. Next was Benui, son of Henadad, who rebuilt another section of the wall from Azariah's house to the angle and the corner. Palal, son of Uzay, carried on the work from a point across the angle, opposite the angle, and the tower that projects up from the king's upper house beside the court of the guard. Next to him were Padiah, son of Parosh, with the temple servants living on the hill of Ophel, who repaired the wall as far as a point across from the water gate to the east and the projecting tower. Then came the people of Tekoa, who repaired another section across from the great projecting tower and over to the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests repaired the wall. Each one repaired the section immediately across from his own house. Next, Zadok, son of Immer, also rebuilt the wall across from his own house. And beyond him was Shemaiah, son of Shechaniah, the gatekeeper of the east gate. Next, Hananiah, son of Shelemiah and Hanun, the sixth son of Zalaf, repaired another section while Meshulam, son of Berechiah, rebuilt the wall across from where he lived. Malchijah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the wall as far as the housing for the temple servants and merchants, across from the inspection gate. Then he continued as far as the upper room at the corner. The other goldsmiths and the merchants repaired the wall from the corner to the sheep gate 